Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Today we're welcoming Nicola Lipscomb. Nicola is a professional speaker and facilitator, a storyteller and a story listener, a former pharmacist and academic. Her quest can now be summed up in one word, connection. She strives to help others and herself to become deeply conscious and present with ourselves, with each other, with our planet and this universe or divine spirit, higher intelligence. She's the creator of HeartWise Leadership, Powerful Listening, Friday's Mindful Moments, and co-creator of Renew Retreats for Women. She has a gift for weaving together the practicality of Western science and the wonder and wisdom of Eastern spirituality and the heart. Yes, indeed, she's a speaking professional, but that's not all. She's also a writer, a poet, a circle leader, a photographer, a mindfulness practitioner, and an art, a feminine presence sister. She adores nature, roaming vintage markets and op shops, and is fascinated by street art. She works hard at Sonduko, the Japanese art of buying books and letting them pile up unread. Turns out I am learning I'm also a practitioner of this. <laughs> She's an introvert at heart. She seeks deeply meaningful connection and is truly not interested in your new washing machine. <laughs> she can't be put in a box and has even written a poem about that too. <laughs> Well, let's dig in. Welcome to TNT, Nicola. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So here we dive. And yeah. we, did a, we did a smidgen of a warm-up to be able to get to know what's on your heart and what's on your mind. But what I've learned is really what's on your heart. And what typically is on our heart is related to something that has occurred in our life and how we've chosen to navigate that experience. So please begin by sharing your profound story with us. I think my story revolves around connection. If I had to put my hat on one word or one theme, it would be that power of human connection and not an intellectual connection, which is sort of been my journey, but from the head to head to heart to heart connection, because that's where it all really happens. And if I look back in my life, uh, it's, it stems from childhood, like most of us, really wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard and feeling a little bit like a Martian on earth a lot of the time. It's like, I don't kind of fit into whatever this thing called humanity and life is. And if I look back, even over my career, the amount of times I moved jobs, moved states, traveled overseas, tried different things, I was looking for something, I was searching. And what I was really searching for was something that was a connection and meaningful and in an intimacy with others. And I twisted myself into a pretzel 
trying to fit in, trying to work out what the key was. And frankly, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking out there and in one sense, it's a cliche, but it really had to start with me looking within and connecting with myself. And what I ended up realizing was the connection that I was initially really seeking with others can't occur if you've got multiple layers or masks. You know, if you've only really revealing about 60% of yourself, that's as deep as any connection could go. And my background, I was a former pharmacist, is scientific, technical, academic, spent 10 years working at a university as an academic. It was, it was all head. And that is not where life, connection, intimacy, belonging is. And I think my major wake-up call, there were a number of. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about the crucible moment from which their life changed magically and they sailed off into the sunset never again to do all the mistakes mm-hmm. no that's 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 not not me sorry it's a point <laughs> but there was a very big catalyst in 2011 and i was working at griffith university on the gold coast so i was on an academic path at the time um, being herded into a PhD pathway at the time and I had this really nagging cough and I was due to teach back-to-back summer semesters which was a massive task and most of the teaching was myself I couldn't talk with this cough that was happening all the time I didn't feel bad so I went off to the campus doctor who I'd never met before I still remember her Dr Jane Smith And I virtually had this kind of piece of paper saying, look, could you just write me this prescription for antibiotics? Because I've got this chest infection. I don't know. Just give me something. And she didn't. And I was really peed off at the time because it's like things to do, places to go, students to teach. I've got time for this. But she actually sent me off for an X-ray. And the X-ray came back. And she put the x-ray up in the room and there's this big white mass sitting in the middle of my chest. And it's like, that's, that's not what a chest x-ray looks like, does it? She's like, no. And it turned out to be a tumour. So I had this massive tumour that was sitting in the middle of my chest. It's attached to my heart. It's attached to my lung. It's attached to my thymus gland. So on the 20th of January in 2011, I was operated on, and that is my milestone date. So they cracked open my chest, had cardiothoracic surgery, took this massive tumour out, and after that, went home and thought about what the hell my life was about, who I was, how I was showing up, and I was journaling off and on at the time, and When I first got diagnosed, my journal entry then is relief, which is quite a bizarre thing to be feeling when you've just been diagnosed. But there was a part of me that was profoundly relieved that now I had a, what I considered be, now I had a proper legitimate excuse Mm -hmm. 
to pull back from the path I was being pushed on. And I look back and go, gosh, that's sad. And really, um, yeah, sad that it took something that huge for me to feel strong enough to push back and go, it's not me. I don't want this. And after the op, when I was really sitting with things and what, what matters to me, a big thing that came out was I think my purpose is very much to be me, no more, no less. And through that, if I can encourage other people to have the courage to simply be themselves, so dropping those masks, and the reward and the bonus is that is, guess what? That's how you get that depth of connection that you want is by being completely who you are without the masks, following your path. That's what attracts and brings those like-minded, like-hearted people together so you get that connection. And it's a huge journey, overused word, but it is. It's, it's a journey that you go on to be able to do that. And I've sort of been on that journey ever since. And then it's gone deeper with realising, you know, the interconnectedness of things and how much we, our sense of who we are is also connected with Mother Earth and being connected and grounded and embedded in nature. And for me, there has been a spiritual path that has developed from that and wanting to feel a connection to something divine, whether you want to call it spirit, higher intelligence, universe, whatever that thing is, is having that connection to something bigger than me outside of myself that you can call on. And a lot of the intuition or channeling almost comes comes from that that field so that's it's a it's kind of like a it's developed into a four-way connection connecting to myself and through that being able to connect more with others a connection to mother earth and a connection to something beyond wow does that make any sense totally yeah uh, you know so many wonderful things there. there was, I wonder where, where the best place to start with. There was, um, you mentioned sort of not fitting in, you mentioned the importance of connection and you mentioned belonging. And all of these three things obviously have, you know, a special meaning for, for us and clearly for, for the work that you're doing now. Um, and then you went on to talk, to, to tell us that you were kind of following a path that wasn't really your own and you were being pushed by, I don't know who it was. I'm imagining some pushy mum who was pushing you towards this PhD. I'm sure it was something else. It was some societal thing that was uh, leading you down this path. And then it wasn't until you literally had your heart opened, which is what we're all telling people to, to do, that you realised that, you know, it opened you up to so much more and you realised that that was just... Uh, you know a pale imitation it was still part of who you were but it wasn't you know who you would be completely you talked about 60 percent and you know now you're living at 100 percent. and I wanted to know um, <clears throat> you said yeah you, you talked about the spiritual steps that you've taken and I know that we've talked about this before I wonder if you could share with us uh, with our listeners some of this step because there'll be so many people who are in that similar kind of space as you were uh, 
God forbid, won't have the the, the drastic um, causation to, to, to have this uh, awakening. Um, but they also might be feeling, you know, over the last 12 months that they're on a path that wasn't necessarily ordained for them, wasn't necessarily, isn't necessarily the, the right path, their true path. And they've just been kind of following this. And so I know that you've done many things in those 10 years, but is there a few sort of things you would share with us that help to go from academic head person to, you know, soul, uh, Pachamama, uh, heart, uh, <laughs> a spiritual teacher and uh, and uh, retreat runner. How do we get there? It it started with um, I would say meditative and embodiment practices because I had to find a way to get in touch with my body. One of the first things I did um, at the time was I did about a year or two of Tai Chi. So it's whether you're doing qigong or tai chi or, or yoga something which requires you to become connected with your body through movement i found extremely powerful Mindf i'm a, a mindfulness practitioner to this day and that started around then my and along with that an interest in buddhism and the philosophy and the psychology of buddhism as well which is a very eastern spiritual way of living and being and i'm not a buddhist per se but i think i've adopted certain of the the mindsets that are associated with buddhism about surrendering to what is around acceptance around compassion around the power of love and opening up the heart and I discovered the Heart Math Institute as well, which I think you guys would, would know about and the work there around coherence. So did a lot of work through coherence techniques um, with breathing and activating the heart energy and then starting to really feel that and feeling the difference. Slowing down is a big one. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. And we are in a life where there's still a badge for busy. There's a massive gold badge that you can get for going, you know, how we, oh, I'm busy, busy, you know, and it's not a badge of honor, as is being tired, not a badge of honor. But um, they are, you know, two things that I was consistently, you know, tired, stressed, busy, and that, that seems to be the modality to actually pull yourself away from that. You need to slow down and give yourself space for that dreaming, for that reflecting, for that journaling, for allowing things to arise. You can't, you can't know yourself by sitting down for five minutes and going, right, there's my pen. Who am I? One to 10. Done. Good. I've sorted it. it. It takes time, space, stillness, slowing down to do all that. And a lot of the time it feels like you're not doing anything. And it, it can feel like the, the mind kicks in, that inner critic kicks in and goes, you're just being lazy. 
you're not doing anything, you're not being constructive, to actually push all those thoughts away and go, you know what, I am just going to sit in the chair and dream. I am just going to go for a walk without any direction, without any intention. I'm just going to, I was doing things like that. I'm, I'm going to walk out the door or it might be on my bike without a plan and a destination and allow yourself. It was teaching myself to sort of go with flow and then the art of feminine presence was another series of practices which I kind of stumbled across. And that was that was funny and beautiful. I met a friend when I moved back to Adelaide. You know, part of my story was coming back to Adelaide to visit. And that was in what 2014. And I'm still here. It's been a long visit. <laughs> but I, I met a very dear friend of mine, Mackie, who was an art of feminine presence teacher. And I did a few sessions with her and thought, oh, I don't think this is a bit wishy-washy and woo-woo. I don't think this is really me. And then as, as I was growing more, I thought, actually, I think there's something in this about the feminine energy and activating that, the, the power center that we have and operating really truly as a feminine being, which didn't mean I had to, you know, float around in, um, you know, wispy, dresses and wear hemp and have to be sort of that hippie which is kind of what I initially thought you know you could be feminine in whatever way you you were meant to be mm -hmm. and um Mackie said no I'm not having it in my classes and it was like what <laughs> and it was and, and then we sort of talked about it and a little bit later she says you have to agree to put your academic cognitive head at the door. You can't analyse this. You can't come in and be judging and analysing what's going on. You just have to experience it and be it. And it was like, so I had to promise her that. And when I did that, things started to shift. And the art of feminine presence is really about embodying and owning your power as a woman and most of us have a lot of shame and guilt around that so that was a big big part of my growth and shedding layers and shedding masks and stepping into who I am and trusting so an academic cognitive brain says you go into a a meeting, you go on to a discussion with somebody and you've really thought it through and, and planned it. And I threw that out and started going into, these were like sales meetings with an intention was I'm going to be fully present embodied as me. And through that, it created an energy and an energetic connection my listening enhanced and I'm a big believer in listening and I started to really connect with people and get work that I hadn't been able to get before because you know I was still trying to I'm still trying to present you know myself kind of thing and it's not about that it's not about presenting it's about being present and presencing so it's not about kind of projecting and look, here I am and this is what I can do and 
let me help and or let's be friends. It was okay. It was actually that slowing down, coming right back into my body, being present with myself, comfortable with that, trusting that, and what emerges, emerges. I, I'm touching my head, but I'm very aware that I was just about to say my head's exploding. <laughs> and stop myself to go, my heart is very full because I'm feeling so many different things. And the first thing I started to feel was how I felt when I was a kid and daydreamed, but specifically daydreamed when I was in the backseat of the vehicle on trips to the beach, which was 45 minutes away. And it was the daydream stare at the window where the trees going by become the blur. And the resounding question that rolled in my head was who am I 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 it was a rolling question and the daydreaming about the possibility of what that was and earlier part of what you mentioned was really important in your journey was the learning to be no more or no less which I think the concept of for me and correct me if I'm wrong is can I be present so I'm not thinking about inferiority or, or superiority. I'm not thinking about growing or changing. I'm, I'm simply here. So I'm no more and no less. I am who I am, who I am, who I am. <laughs> I'm not yeah. really sure of all of that. I am sure that there are so many people listening that are incredibly curious around how do I do that? How do I begin this practice of presence and being no more and no less and wrestling with the narrative inside that is saying you're supposed to be growing you're supposed to be evolving you're supposed to be learning you're supposed to be doing I think that's one of the the challenges out there and in here in today's world a lot of people are awakening or are aware of the process and, the, and the, the power of evolving and awakening. And then suddenly that becomes a task right. that we need, we need to do. And have you reached whatever the KPIs are that are set? You know, are you evolved enough? Have you, you know, what have you done in the last year? How much, what level of awakening are you? And we start comparing ourselves, not just about what we're doing professionally, or kind of in our personal lives, we, we, we now have this spiritual sort of comparison that goes, how evolved are you? What work have you been doing? Um, which is paradoxical and not helpful. For me, the big one is mindfulness, which really is, and I use mindfulness of breath, um, sound, probably as my two go-tos which really is about and if I use sound uh, because I do use that a lot is spending time simply focusing on sounds and for me it's nature sounds and birds mm. and I think part of that presencing or being present with yourself is the ability to to lose your sense of self-consciousness and kind of your sense of self and there's a freedom and liberation in that and again, nature 
for me has been the gateway and the pathway to that by spending time in nature and absorbed in particularly the sounds but the sights as well there is a sense of I don't have to be anything in this moment so you get that feeling of you don't have to be more or less doing anything you're simply in the moment of pure enjoyment appreciation wonder or and in that space, you start to, well, I did, I really started to experience that sense of losing myself or not, not mattering. In one, it's part of that flow state as, as well, that when we're in a flow state, when we challenge ourselves to, to just that point beyond which we would start to, to be too stressed, there's that, that sweet spot where we just hit flow. And part of flow is losing that sense of time and losing that sense of self-consciousness. Well, I get that. And a lot of people do as well get that when we're in nature. There is a, a feeling of connection that we get. But for me, it's embedding myself in really observing, looking, looking, looking. So I'd lie on the grass mm. and just look. And you'd look and look. And then you'd see ants and then you'd see other little bugs. And then you'd see the grass and look at bark, you know, look at the petals in roses, use the same walks, go back, you know, even it was around the block the next day or the next day and you'd go back and you'd look at that same flower again and see how it's changed, seeing the seasons so that you started to experience, and it was twofold, I started to experience a greater sense of connection with something other than myself, which was nature. But I also, in those moments, I didn't have to be anybody. I wasn't answerable to anybody. And that helped teach me that feeling. This is what it feels like, where I don't feel judged, I don't feel observed, I don't feel I have to do anything or be anything. And then bringing that feeling and there was a great liberation and freedom and a bubbling up of joy that would go with that and then okay then you then you can harness that again mm -hmm. within within the body but it really is if you want to think about it practically it's mindfulness mm -hmm. it's really using and I do use breath as well so we know that if you breathe in deeply, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So you, you activate that relaxation response. Your body goes into a more relaxed state. And if you breathe into your heart, so using some of that heart math coherent stuff, I, I do a lot of heart breathing, feeling into the into that space, breathing into that space as if your heart is breathing and, and deliberately activating positive emotions by drawing on memories and experiences of things which bring that feeling of wonder or appreciation, gratitude, love. And it changes your state. It changes your energy, changes your energetic field. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. That was a very rich, generous offering. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just to touch on that last point quickly in some of the, the work that I do and the teachings that I've learned, you know, one of the easiest things to help raise that is to think of a, 
a special moment or a time or, or a sound or a memory and think of your you know, like a traffic light system and you, you, you're you on red and you find something that will lift you through to amber and then you find something that will lift you through to green. And for me, it's, you know, playing with playing with my daughter and it's, it's beyond that's the kind of yellow and then the green bit is is hearing that laughter that completely um, unabashed, that laughter that's completely pure and, and I can hear it and I can listen to it again and it just kind of helps elevate to the next level and raise your vibration and, and, and raises you up to that higher energy. But, and like you said about the end of the nature and you talked about the, <clears throat> the masks and, and, you know, it's just another word for a boundary or barrier. Um, and we always, when we say that we associate with something to our face, so to do with our personality or our identity, but then, you know, if you think about the confines that we live within the house, the building block, the cars, the office, all of these are all just barriers. They're all just boundaries. And so if we can escape those and going out back into nature and reconnect with that, you know, innate spirit, human spirit, whatever you want to call it, it's just there. It's abundant. It's available. It's many levels. There are different, you know, planes and energetic levels and things that are happening in that world that are not so available to you, you know, directly inside in an office cubicle that sort of thing so having that freedom to go out there just makes it easier to connect with and and yeah you're so true um you often do that on your own so you often have that quietness you also have that stillness and there's that pause and there's time for reflection and there's time for noticing and these are all the things that <clears throat> you did as a kid and, and that you now you know were told there's there's no longer time for that or you're too busy for that or it's not purposeful or you know stop staring out the window Teresa we should, you should be focusing on your your book or whatever it is you know stop daydreaming and then um, and really that imagination realm is, is where we really need to to reconnect with and um, <clears throat> before we run out of time I wanted to really touch on your new retreats that you've been doing um, because there's something that you mentioned here about the circle leader the circle technique um, and I know a bit about it but I would love for you to share a little bit with our listeners because I'm sure it's something again that they can maybe take away from or start to learn more about or practice. I love coming together in circle, creating and guiding, facilitating and being part of circles is an, an incredibly enriching healing experience. And it literally is a group of people and we sit in circle and it's, it's traditional. A lot of the Indigenous traditions use it. Um, a lot of spiritual practices or faiths use circles because, you know, every space in the circle is equal as well. You can see everybody. There's no hierarchy. There's a, there's a levelling that goes. We have the circle of life. We have unity. There's lots of symbolism in that. And... In our Renew retreats, the idea is it's a, it's a retreat for women and it is to um, bring together a group of women to help them reconnect with who they are, the truth of who they are, and to step up into the, to have the courage to step up into the truth of who they are and take that out into the world. It is so hard often to do this on our own and within in circle the the power of circle is to be able to be held it's a very much an energetic space that we create to hold people it is a part listening circle so when people speak everybody is very present to that person 
So there's no distractions. You, when you speak, you do have the floor and everybody is present with you. So you feel that. Part of circle is that witnessing that we have of others and the intention that we bring into that. So circle is a very broad term and you can have different circles. So in our Renew Retreat, it's about the connection of the women and about being seen and about being heard and bringing them connecting back with themselves and connecting with others you can have I've done pure listening circles where you literally set it up so people can talk whatever's in their heart for five ten minutes and the role of everybody else is to not speak but to listen and hold space courage and renewals another body of work Parker Palmer's work he's um, the Quaker principle of circles and in there they also ask questions and the power of the question my gosh in those sort of circles the the idea of the questioning is asking somebody a question which helps them uncover the path and the answer for themselves you do not ask a question for your own curiosity your own clarity and whilst you can nod and go yeah yeah it's actually really um, sophisticated where you will ask somebody a question to help them ideally that you can have no idea what the answer is mm. that's I've been part of those circles which have been amazing and the art of feminine presence do do circles as well and part of their their circle tradition which was really powerful for me was active witnessing so you would spend time in, in circle and we would ground, we would meditate, we would do shadow work, various practices. And at the end of the circle, we witness each other, which is speaking back to each other what we see. It is so rarely done and it is positive. So if I were to sort of witness, if we were in a circle, um, and I was to witness Teresa, it, I would be in my body and I would be looking Teresa in the eye and going, Teresa, you are the embodiment of truth and strength. You have an integrity and a power which shines out of you. You have this fierceness of wanting to contribute and yet there is this beautiful warmth and heart that you extend to all that you meet. That's my impression of you. And that's, I would share that with you. And I hope you get a sense of the feeling of how it feels when somebody speaks honestly, truthfully from, their, from the depths of who they are, of what they see in somebody else. And when you do that frequently, your sense of self, changes and emerges stronger and truer as well. So in your journey, Nicola, what has become accessible to you that wasn't before? My intuition, I would say, is the big one of the big benefits of that. So 
because I can feel the difference of where something is coming from within me, whether it's true or not, whether it's aligned or not. And what has been accessible as well is our very different relationship with people, with friends, with partners that I couldn't access before. I couldn't get that sense of intimacy, that sense of belonging, that sense of knowingness, that sense of synchrony, um, that sense of safety that, and I, I've got that. And it's not with a lot of people, but I've got it with people now. And I treasure that. That uh, intuitive voice was always there, um, but perhaps the voice in here through so many years of being told it was important to keep growing and keep building and keep you know, getting more and more. It just gets louder and louder and louder and it's harder and harder to hear what's in here. And um, <clears throat> that's such a great uh, answer to that question. Um, so before we run out of time, we'd always like to finish with a, you know, hashtag not anymore, a sort of golden nugget to leave our listeners thinking and doing and being differently after listening to, to a, our conversation. So we haven't touched on the one thing which drew me to you in our first connection was the heart-wise bit. So in a brief sort of summary, can you give our listeners a, a way that they can become more heart-wise, you know, without the uh, uh, open heart surgery and, uh, you know, the 10 years of spiritual awakening, you know, what's a quick, <laughs> quick way to get straight to that heart-wise? <laughs> I define heart-wise is, is, or heart-wise leadership as leaders that, lead with insight from the inside so it is about intuition which is that and intuition if you look at the word intuition it's learning from within so it really is about I guess a nugget is instead of going external what's what's the right thing to do what should I do what do they want is actually stop and ask that question internal to go what feels not what is what feels right to me because it really is about feeling how do we feel and how do people feel us when when we talk about that human connection it's it's a feeling thing how do you feel me it's an energetic feeling connection that people respond to perfect so yeah quickly before we just so <clears throat> i just want to add something here so in the work that i've been doing um with with clients and for myself mostly um trying to listen more to that intuitive voice trying to reconnect to that higher self or higher intelligence whatever you want to call it the soul your true self um i learned about this simple technique and it's kind of like an automatic writing exercise and you ask yourself this question as many times as you want, once a day, once every couple of days. So it's first of all, what does my soul want to tell me today? And then I choose to allow my soul to speak to me from the highest light and just kind of reflect on that phrase for a minute or two. And then just literally without any judgment or any planning or anything, just write down whatever comes through. And the more you do it, the more kind of um, you'll see a synchronicity type to appear in, in, in what's coming out and you'll it'll be less like, oh, I'm just making these words up here. And then you'll see a pattern. And, and the more you do it, I think the easier it becomes to listen to that intuitive. Yes. Intuitive 
Um, symbolism and metaphor is a powerful gateway to that intuition and insight. So I use oracle cards as well, or I use, um, you know, I create my own photographic cards and I use them with clients as well. I'll put a whole lot of images on a table, make a mandala on a table. And it's that same thing. Take people through a meditative process and they choose a card to represent. And what is that telling them? And it is profound and amazing the insights people get when you can bypass the cognitive so it's bypassing the cognitive through different means i guess that's one of the big nuggets <laughs> yeah a little extra bonus one there yeah the power of imagery uh, is so so underrated um okay so we like to oh sorry everyone loves what you told us everyone would love to learn more about nicola lipscomb how do we get more in touch with you how do we find out about these retreats where do we go tell us i my favorite platform's linkedin so right. look for me on on linkedin and reach out connect mm -hmm. comment i'd love to have conversations with you i've got my website which does need updating which is nicolalipscomb.com or reach out to me via email, nicola at nicolalipscomb.com. Perfect. All right. So we always like to finish with a bit of fun, rapid fire Q&A. Um, right. Questions, whatever's on your heart, whatever comes through. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, which emotion catches you off guard most often? Frustration. Cool. What do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment? Breathe. <laughs> okay, cool. What's next in your personal evolution? I want to feel the connection with something higher more consistently. Nice. Um, all right. When your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them? Nothing. I'll give them a hug. Oh. Okay. And in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? The word that just pops into my head is love. Don't ask me where that comes from, but that's, that's what I'm most hopeful for, for everyone, I think. I love that, that you said, feel that. yeah, I love that you said what you felt. That was wonderful. Yeah, and, and I can't think of a better thing to, to look forward to or to be hopeful for, so <laughs> thank you. All right, so that's the end of the questions. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, sharing your heart, sharing your wisdom, sharing your, um, your story, and also, you know, the spiritual side of it, as well as the academic side of it, and, and you know, as Teresa said, how you build that ladder from up here down to your heart and, and scale it up and down very quickly. But um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com